my name is Pastor Jake. I'm the lead pastor here at Great Oaks. Excited to be with you today. I'm really excited to talk to you today uh, because uh, we're starting a seven-week series that will take us all the way through or all the way up to uh, Christmas uh, called Rhythm. Everybody say rhythm. rhythm. And it's seven weeks because seven is a holy number, right? And it's better than six or five or eight, so we did seven. Uh, and, and rhythm is a musical term, right? Every musician has to have the right rhythm for a song to sound right. Um, and, and have you ever noticed or have you ever known someone who just doesn't have rhythm? Anybody ever know? Don't point at them, okay? <laughs> Some of you pointed. That was awesome, okay? So uh, there are people who struggle to clap and sing at the same time, right? And uh, so when I love when our worship team has this clapping and moving, gets you guys engaged. Uh, but when I try to clap and sing at the same time, I struggle. I'm either singing wrong or I'm clapping wrong, all right? And it messes everybody in my little circle up, right? Because I'm just a little off. Uh, so you can kind of explain. So I'm, I'm that guy. And when you witness that, um, it, it's, it's kind of painful, isn't it? It's just a little painful. Like, it's painful when somebody is, is out of rhythm. It's painful. So let's do this. Let's see if we can kind of all clap at the same time. You ready for this? I've enlisted someone who, because I can't get you to clap at the same time, because I can't clap at the same time, right? So I've enlisted somebody who's going to lead you today in clapping. A clapping expert, you might call him. <laughs> Pastor Nate. Thank you, thank you. Did you hear some mess-ups even, even on the easy one? <laughs> you guys don't, uh, we won't name names, all right? But some of you just could do that. You couldn't do even, the, even the, the, the slow one. You were like, oh, some of you just held off of that altogether. I saw some of you just abstain from that little exercise. And so it, we couldn't get the right rhythm, some of us. So, and we're, all we're doing is clapping. And we had this clapping expert leading us, and we still... Couldn't get it. How many of you have ever been to a middle school band concert? <laughs> you ever been there? Yeah, that's definitely got to be some level of hell, right? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be. It's just got to be some level of hell that we're all, you know, so make it to heaven, okay? I mean, we love you middle schoolers. We love you. Parents are whispering to kids right now, it's not you. You're amazing. <laughs> you sound wonderful. Uh, parents are good liars, right? Those concerts are painful, right? Because it's not, it's not totally right. It just feels wrong. The instruments are out of sync, out of rhythm, off key. There's a way the song is supposed to sound, the band is supposed to sound, me melody, harmony, rhythm. And there's this band teacher, the band conductor. That's got to be like the most difficult job ever for middle school band, right? Standing up there with his little wand, like that's going to do anything. You know, waving it expertly. And the whole time he's watching these middle schoolers not even pay attention to him at all. They're playing whatever they want to play. Johnny just got his tuba yesterday. 
never played before. Susie's not even looking at him while she squelches on the clarinet. I mean, that's got to be some kind of frustrating. You're probably, you're probably second-guessing your life's decisions in that moment, right? Maybe wondering if you got the right wand because this one ain't working. Now, I remember when I was a kid, we went to a very small kind of country Baptist church uh, that sang from the hymnal every week, and we had a, a pianist or an organist uh, playing um, every week. And there was always a guy up in the middle leading, the song director, and he would always lead us, and he'd say, hymn number 238, hymn number 238, and everybody turn, and the organ would fire up and start playing this song, and then he'd start waving his hands like a conductor. Did any of you go to a, so- a church like this, or maybe you did last week, I don't know, but um, so they, they're like, He's always waving his hands, and when I was younger, I always thought, why is he waving his hands like that? Like, it just looks weird. And then as I got older, I started to just doubt the, the effectiveness of his hands, because I was listening to the people around me, right? And I was like, you need to come up with a different tactic, right? For a couple of years, my dad was that guy. He was, he was the song leader, the song director, and so he got up, and he, he did this whole hand thing, and... It was, it was awesome. My, my favorite part was when he would start a hymn, and immediately everybody in the room knew something was off, right? Something was just not right, and he had to stop and start again. Sometimes the organist was playing some totally different hymn, right? And I loved, my favorite part was when he had to turn to the, to the organist or the pianist, and he had to like, get her to stop in front of everybody, get her to stop and start over, and then he starts waving his hands at her. But with some attitude, you know what I'm talking about? She loved that. <laughs> she loved that. Yeah. And it's, it's not just a then thing. Sometimes our worship teams now get off a little bit, start songs, and all of us are just, when they start it, we're just like, nah, start again. <laughs> right? That didn't work. Something's off. It's painful. Usually it's better just to stop completely and start over to give the band a chance to get in the right rhythm, key, whatever. That's rhythm. Some people have it naturally, others not so much. But just about everybody can hear it and see it and feels the pain when it's not right. And it's not just music. You, your heart has a rhythm, doesn't it? Yeah. Ooh, soothing, right? Your heart has a rhythm and if your heart somehow starts beating out of rhythm, that's a problem, isn't it? It's a medical condition aptly called arrhythmia. It means out of rhythm. It, it, it can cause a lot of problems. If you listen to an audio of a, a rhythmic heartbeat, it's weird. It's different. It doesn't sound right. It sounds painful. It could be beating too fast, beating inconsistently, fluttering. And if, it's not, if it doesn't get corrected, you're going to die. There's rhythm to your heartbeat, right? And sometimes if your heartbeat is in arrhythmia, you have to get it shocked back into place if it doesn't correct itself naturally. There's rhythm to your breathing, too. If you breathe out of rhythm too fast, you may hyperventilate, right? Something's wrong. Sleep apnea is when you don't breathe right. You get out of rhythm when you sleep and you stop breathing. You don't breathe enough. Rhythm. When it's right, it's soothing, empowering, 
moving. When it's wrong, it's jarring, piercing, painful. Rhythm. And isn't it interesting that it's, that it's intuitive? That even if you can't produce rhythm or stay in rhythm, the vast majority of us can tell when someone else is out of rhythm, right? And it's cross-cultural, musically and anatomically. This idea of rhythm is universal to all humans. The, the style of music might be different in a different culture, but they all have rhythm. They're rhythmic in some way. But what I want to talk to you about in this series is the reality that God has created the universe to work in a certain rhythm. That there is this rhythm in which the universe works. And it's not just at the big level, but that at every level of creation, from stars and planets to the way your heart beats and the way your life works best, there is this rhythm. Let's do this. Let's look at creation. I want to read to you from Genesis chapter 1. Should be pretty easy to find. (laughs) Genesis 1. If you have your Bible, you can head there. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen or go to the YouVersion Bible app. You can get all of our notes and scriptures there. I'm going to read basically the whole chapter of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And let it separate the waters from the waters. Look at verse 8. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. Skip down a little bit. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 23, and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. 
And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And every to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to the to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. There's this rhythm, isn't there? Morning and evening, morning and evening, He spoke, and it was. God spoke, and it was. God creates, and then he says it's good. He creates, and then he says it's good. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. According to its kind, everything is created according to its kind. Six days he created, and then one he rests. There's this rhythm, this cadence, this order to creation. God creates all of this in shalom, in peace. It's good. He creates the world and it, it functions just like it's supposed to in this rhythm. Like an orchestra, every piece of creation singing the same song, tapping the same beat, like a healthy heartbeat. It's beautiful. It's right. It's soothing. And we get two chapters there. Two chapters in shalom, peace, perfection, rhythm, because in Genesis 3, the fall happens. And our first parents, Adam and Eve, are given a choice. The serpent, Satan, is allowed to tempt them. Like an arrhythmic heartbeat among a thousand hearts beating in one rhythm, Satan enters this shalom as a force of chaos, of disunity, of arrhythmia and it's jarring it's painful it's unexpected like one musician out of rhythm with the rest it's just wrong and this force of chaos and disunity sets his sights on our first mother eve and for the first time eve hears a different song And it's confusing and it's painful and she, along with our first father Adam, choose rebellion over rhythm, chaos over rhythm. They choose to disregard the composer's work, the conductor's direction. They choose self. And it's devastating. 
Like a child choosing something that a parent knows will end badly, end in causing them pain because they just don't understand. It's devastating. And for the first time in their lives, when God calls their name in the Garden of Eden, they respond with fear instead of joy. Because they've gotten out of rhythm with the way he created them to function, his voice sounds off to them. His presence is confusing, and they're afraid. So in Genesis 3, they do what many of you are doing right now. They hide. They hide from God. They hide from the one who loves them, created them, knows them at the deepest possible level, and wants only good for them, they hide. You see, God created mankind in this rhythm, this shalom, this perfection. And the Bible says that if you and me were there instead of Adam and Eve, we would have made the same choice they did. We would have chosen chaos over rhythm, but we were created originally in the image of God. That's what Genesis 1 said, remember? The image of God. You and me were created to carry the image of God, to bear the image of God. Like a mirror, you and I are supposed to reflect the image of God onto the universe. But with the fall, we became what preachers for centuries have called tarnished or cracked image bearers. When we're born, the mirrors we were created to be are so cracked and marred by sin We can't bear the image of God properly. Our hearts don't beat properly. Our minds are born in confusion. We're born out of step with the rhythm God created the universe to work in. And like listening to an orchestra or a band that's just not in sync, it's it's painful. It's painful. Pain is the consequence of living outside of the rhythm God created our lives to work in. Let me show you something in in Genesis 3. God lovingly makes clothes for Adam and Eve after they've rebelled against him, chosen chaos over order, rebellion over rhythm. But there are consequences. And so he says this in Genesis 3, verse 16, to Eve, he says, I will surely multiply your pain In childbearing, in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Pain. And then to Adam, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Pain. The ground itself will be cursed and will produce pain. Everything will be difficult for you as you try to live outside of the rhythm I created the universe and your lives to work best in. You'll be out of sync. You won't be able to fulfill the purpose I created you to fulfill. Your part in the orchestra will be missing. And because of that, the whole of creation will suffer. And then from this day forward, from Genesis 3 
on, everything slowly and systematically falls apart. Like a sickness can cause a heart to not beat properly, and then over time that can affect blood pressure and oxygen levels and other organ function and a lot more. So sin caused creation to get out of rhythm and to spiral out of control, to get worse and worse and worse, physically and spiritually. Romans 8.22 says that creation itself has been groaning in pain because of this since Genesis 3. And yet, God did not give up on humanity. He didn't walk away. He didn't wipe his hands of us because we had bitten the hand that had fed us, rebelled against pure love. Instead, he continued to teach Adam and Eve. He taught Cain and Abel what is right. Hey, if you'll live this way and you'll walk this way and you'll trust me, then your life will go better for me. Just trust me, Cain. Just trust me, Abel, because I created this whole thing to work. I made it. I know how it works best. And even as sin increased, murder, violence, rebellion, selfishness, pride, God still remained. He stayed with us, showing us the way to bear his image properly, showing us how to find that life, that peace, that shalom, that rhythm. He saved a remnant in Noah. He blessed Abraham and made from him a people with a promise. He said, there will be a day when one of your descendants will crush the head of that serpent that deceived your first parents. And in so doing, shock the heartbeat of creation back into rhythm, the rhythm in which I created it to function in, in the beginning. Even when the Israelites choose rebellion and sin over God, over and over and over and over, God still makes sure there, makes sure there is a remnant. He always kept a remnant. Listen, beloved. He has not kept this hidden. This is not a secret. He has broadcast his rhythm to the world in his word. It's all in there. He looked at us in our rebellion and in our sin. He looked at us as cracked, marred, tarnished image bearers in pain as we try to live outside of the rhythm he created us to work in, to live in. And he said, you're going to need this. And he gave us the law. He gave us the word, his word. It wasn't given to take life away from you. His word wasn't given in order to chain you up or hold you back any more than a conductor telling a saxophone player to play at a different tempo so that she keeps in rhythm with the rest of the orchestra is meant to cause her pain. Like when when a doctor says your heart is beating out of rhythm, do you get offended? Do you go, how dare you talk about my rhythm, my heartbeat? You're just trying to control me, doctor. No, of course not. You you know your heart needs to beat properly, and it not doing so is going to cause you pain. Listen, God's word is the same way. It's given by a gracious and loving God who wants you to find life. It's just that this God of ours, he can't give suggestions. He can't have just a way among Many, when it comes to this, he doesn't give options. He can't. 
Because he's not just somebody with experience or knowledge or wisdom. He's more than that. He created it. He created it all. And he created it all to work properly in one way. In this rhythm. So to you it might seem narrow-minded and maybe even controlling at times. But it really is quite freeing and loving and even logical. And don't get me wrong, it'll absolutely be painful to get back into this rhythm. Just like shocking your physical heart back into rhythm is painful, so it will be with your spiritual heart. But it's all to get you to life, not to take life away from you. He's saying this is how life works best. It doesn't matter what your culture says or your friend says or your government says. This is how it works best. Trust me, God says, I made it all. I wrote this song. Trust me. And so in this series, I want to talk through some rhythms with you. I want to talk to you about what the Bible teaches about the way you set your life up, the rhythm you choose to live your life by. It's all in here. It's all in God's word. I want to talk to you about Sabbath rhythm. I want to talk to you about marriage rhythm, family rhythm, devotional rhythm, and a few others. I'm trying to help you in this series line your life up with the rhythm God created it to work best in. Because even after we've given our lives over to Christ, we can at times get out of rhythm. We can easily allow our eyes to wander kind of off of the conductor and cease to play our part in the orchestra correctly. You won't be in rhythm completely and consistently in perfection in all areas until you get to heaven, right? Till Jesus returns. So before we get into this, the, the New Year's resolutions in just a few weeks that mean nothing, I, I want you to think about these things. I, I think it's going to be a powerful few weeks, and I would love for you to make sure you're here and bring some people with you, neighbors and friends or whatever. But let me just, let me just say this before we're done today. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't get your life back into godly rhythm. No, no matter what they say, no matter what my counterparts on TV say about thinking positive and being the best you and working hard, you can't do it. You can't, by willpower or sheer force, make yourself do this. Here's what I'm saying. There is a rhythm to getting back into rhythm. There is an order to getting back into order. In Genesis 1 and 2, there was this shalom, this perfection, this rhythm. And when sin entered the world, it was jarring, piercing, surprising, painful. Sin seemed to enter from the outside in and then just mess everything up. The devil sowed discord and disunity, and it was just contagious. The world spun out of control, and like an infection, this, this confusion and this arrhythmia just spread and spread and spread until it was the norm. Until it was the norm, until it was thought to be right, good, correct. 
the, the sweet, soothing rhythm of Genesis 1 and 2 were forgotten. Men and women created in the image of God could no longer hear his song, could no longer pick out his melody, order, rhythm among the chaos surrounding them. Until something just as jarring as sin and the lie entering Eden in Genesis 3 happened in Matthew 1. There were 400 years of prophetic silence between the Old and the New Testaments. And just when it seemed that God had finally and rightfully written us off, forgotten about us, moved on from his failed endeavor to make mankind in his own image, just when it felt like all hope was lost, Jesus was born. Jesus Christ left heaven and entered human history in the midst of its spiraling, in the midst of the chaos. And in dying on the cross, in our place, he took all of the ill effects of living outside the rhythm God created us to to live in. He took all of that. And in defeating death and rising back to life, he shocked the heartbeat of creation back into rhythm. It was jarring. It was surprising. And it was soothing. At the cross and the empty tomb, Jesus did what you and I could not do. He made a way for us to have that peace, that shalom, that life that was in Eden. He paid the price. And by submitting to him, allowing our hearts to be shocked back into rhythm, you and I were given a way to go from cracked image bearers to restored image bearers. All of a sudden, able by the infinite grace of God to bear his image, to reflect his image off of us onto those around us in the world. You can't do this. You don't have the power to raise back to life that which is dead inside of you. You don't have what it takes to get your life back in line with the way God created it to work. The the things we're going to talk about in this series, they're all based on this foundation. They're built on this foundation. The motto of Christianity is not, I can. I know you hear a different motto out there, but just trust me. The motto of Christianity is not, I can. Biblical Christianity, it's, I can't. Jesus can. The the crux of this whole thing is not what you do, but what he has already done. You see how that's different? You need Jesus. That's where this starts. Otherwise, this whole thing in this rhythm series is an exercise in futility, parenting, marriage, Sabbath, all the other things we're going to talk about. God has absolutely broadcast his rhythm in these things in his word, but it means nothing if your heart is still sick. If you haven't allowed, to, you haven't allowed Jesus to rescue you and get your heart back in rhythm, it means nothing. It'd be like taking an aspirin to take care of a tumor in your brain. It might take care of a headache, but you better get that tumor out quick. 
Have you ever heard a band play a song and it just wasn't right? Someone was off. Have you ever met someone who just didn't have rhythm, just doesn't have rhythm? Yeah, of course you have. Because that someone, it's you. All of us understand this because we're the ones that are out of rhythm. And if you'll be quiet enough, you can hear it. And if you'll be still enough, you can feel it. And if you'll be humble enough, Christ can fix it. Let's pray. Lord, my prayer today is that those in this room who have not yet acknowledged that they were born out of step with the rhythm you created their lives to work in, God, that they would be shocked into this realization right now. And Holy Spirit, my prayer is that you would begin to invade their lives and in their hearts and their minds, that you would woo them, that for a moment today, they would see clearly, they would hear clearly the rhythm in which you created the, wor- the world, the earth to work in back in Genesis 1. That just for a moment, the fog would clear, the confusion would clear, and they would see that there's something to this. There's something to this. And then in that moment of clarity, instead of hiding instead of doubting, instead of being overcome with fear, God, that you would allow them to reach out to you, to reach out for you. Feel your love, feel your embrace, and begin to walk in the rhythm you created them to walk in every day of their lives. Let not one person in this room miss this opportunity to give their lives completely and fully over to you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, as you're just asking the Lord, what does this mean for me if there's this rhythm that I'm supposed to be living by? What does this mean for me? Not the person next to me or person I wish was here, but for me, as you're asking the Lord that with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I just want to give an opportunity for those of you who haven't yet given your life over to Christ, haven't yet submitted your life to him. He entered human history to save not just humanity, but you. To shock the heart of creation back into rhythm, but also to shock your heart back into rhythm. And so if you're here and You you haven't yet done that. You still, you feel out of rhythm. You feel off. You know that you haven't yet given your life over to Christ fully and completely. And you know because there's this pain, this constant pain that you feel in, in being out of rhythm with God. If that's you today and you would say, you know what, I don't, 
I'm not worried about anything else right now. I'm just, I just want to do this. I want to give my life over to Christ. I just want to ask Jesus to fix this in my heart and in my family and in my, in my life. It's deeper. It's bigger than, than just doing something right. It's bigger than a tweak here or there. It's at the foundation, the core of who you are. You're saying, I want to be different. I want my life to be transformed by the, the power of God the power of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. If that's you today, don't leave this place without making a decision. If that's you, you just ride in your seat. You just say, Lord, I need you. You just acknowledge, that's me, Jesus. I need to get into rhythm. I'm out of rhythm. I'm in pain. I need you today. I can't do it, Jesus, but you can. Just begin to tell them your heart. There's no magical words, no magical incantation. Just tell them where you're at and ask him to transform you. Not to make you better, not to teach you how to, how to be good enough, but to just transform you from one thing to another. From one who is out of step and out of rhythm to one who is in step with the way God created you to, to live. If that's you today with eyes closed and heads bowed, I just want to give you an opportunity to signify that you want to give your life over to Christ. And I want to pray for you. So if that's you, if you want to give your life over to Jesus today, would you just lift your hand up? Nobody's looking around. We just want to pray. I see that hand. I see that one too. Anyone else? You'd say, I want to give my life over to Christ today. I just want to pray for you. There's no other way to get back into the rhythm God has created you to walk in. Hold those hands up. I see others. Let me pray for you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that the seed that was planted today from your word, God, that, that it would go deep into good soil. It would bear fruit and that lives would be transformed. Those who have their hands raised to say, I want to give my life over to Jesus. Lord, I thank you that your word still today, 2,000 years after Jesus, Still today, your word goes out and it is effective. I thank you, God, but I pray, Jesus, that you, that Holy Spirit, you would put a hedge of protection around these young, new believers who are giving their life over, over to you today. Put, a, put some protection around them, God. I pray that emotionally they would feel like something's been set right. That deep in their hearts they would feel something was off and now it's right and that they would just begin to spend the rest of their lives searching how they can glorify you better how they can live for you better how they can line themselves up in practical ways with your rhythm we love you Jesus we give this all to you I pray as I always do that anything from me today would fall to the wayside but anything that is from you in this message would haunt us stick with us let it not easily leave our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, if you just raised your hand to give your life over to Christ, or maybe you didn't, but you want to give your life over to Christ, a couple things. We're going to have some prayer workers on the side. I would love for you to get prayer before you leave. doesn't matter how long you've been at church. doesn't matter. This is deeper and bigger than that. So go get prayer before you leave. Also, we've got baptism on December 17th. That's the next thing. If you give your life over to Christ, then you want to get baptized, and we would love to baptize you on December 17th. Just get an application on the way out. But if you've got 
prayer needs for anything at all, if you're sick in your body, if you've got financial needs, if you just want to pray for your neighbors or pray for some, something that's out of rhythm in your life, our prayer workers are on the side during this last song and after, and they would love to pray for you. Why don't you stand with me? Here's, here's my prayer for you today. May the truth of God's word pierce the confusion you were born into. May you, maybe for the first time, realize the perpetual arrhythmia of your life. And may you reach out for God and begin to live by his rhythm. Thanks for coming. I'll see you next week.